Sometimes in life, skepticism can serve you well. It can save you money, keep you from wasting a day at a timeshare presentation, and help you avoid spreading gossip. To be honest, when I am faced with a new scenario, I usually tend to be a skeptic until something proves me wrong. And if you're like me, you can probably spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away and read labels like it's your job. That's where ritual comes in. They know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. Their clinically backed Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin has high quality, traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. Take two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption and you'll get nine key nutrients. Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. On top of that, Ritual multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I take my vitamins every morning with breakfast. It's part of my daily ritual and I feel so good doing it. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. Do you ever need to send money internationally? I'm spending the next couple of months here in Europe, but my home and business back in Aruba, so I know just how crucial this process can be. Let me tell you about this new, smarter, and cheaper way to send money internationally, transfer-wise. While there may be other ways to get your money from A to B, those transfers will cost you more than they should, a lot more. And it's the old way. But TransferWise uses clever new technology that gives you great exchange rates and a low fee. The founders of TransferWise, Tavit and Christo, were just like you and me, frustrated by their bank's bad exchange rates and high fees from international transfers. They wondered what if they could bypass the banks entirely. So they built TransferWise. That was seven years ago. And today, more than 2 million people use TransferWise. There's people sending money back home, businesses paying suppliers, freelancers getting paid, and the list goes on. You can add yourself to that list today. Put some money in your pocket for the more important things in life because no one ever said it's important that my bank gets some extra cash. Test it out for free at transferwise.com slash podcast or download the app. Once again, that's transferwise.com slash podcast. TransferWise, the wise way to send money. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. It is officially the latest moment I have ever sat down to record this podcast. Um, it's Thursday, uh, almost Thursday afternoon, and this podcast is released um, usually around 12 a.m. Friday morning. So it's uh, it, I'm cutting it pretty close uh, to everyone on my production team. I'm super sorry. <laughs> I'm so late. It's just I'm in Spain and I'm having such a good time. It's really hard to remember to go inside and pick up my equipment and sit down and record this show. Um, recording the podcast is definitely uh, a little bit more of a challenge when we're on the road and when we're traveling than it is at home. Specifically because, well, one, we're always out and about, we're going places, doing things, uh, we don't have the routines that we have at home, but it's also pretty challenging to find a quiet space. So if you hear any sounds, um, 
you know, outside of my voice throughout this podcast, uh, it's probably because I'm at this hotel and there's like things going on all around me. So uh, doing my very best here to sit down and make a quiet space. Also, I have a little thing going on with my voice. I don't know if you can tell. It's been like a week of this, just a little bit of a hoarse throat, but um, I don't think I'm getting sick. At least I hope not. I like to believe that um, I'm doing so much physical exercise these days that like my throat is just like working out (laughs) together with the rest of my body. Um, And that's what I'm going to talk about today, uh, the body and strength. And for me specifically, the body-mind connection uh, and kind how I've kind of viewed my body um, throughout the years and the limits I've put on myself for absolutely no reason. So if you have been following along for the past, I said, let's say week or two, we are in Spain right now, we're having a beautiful time. And I, as everybody sort of knows, have had a ton of back issues or back pain the past couple of months. Um, and when I think about it, I've actually, I've had back pain, you know, on and off my entire life. And it wasn't until I found yoga when I was 19 or 18 or so that uh, I had my first big change within my body or my first moments of relief, uh, which was such a beautiful thing. And it was a huge part of why I had this yoga epiphany. And I realized, oh my God, yoga is everything. I'm going to make this my life, not just a, a passion or a hobby or something that I do or this lifestyle, but I want to I wanna live and breathe this and teach this and make it my life every damn day. So anyone who has had or is currently suffering from any sort of chronic pain, whether it's, uh, you know, back or neck or headaches or anything else, you know, so many people um, live a life where there's pain um, present in our day to day. It's such a challenging thing. Oh my God, it, it affects everything. I find it's very, very hard to uh, be in physical pain and just kind of carry on your day to day without feeling weighed down and without it becoming um, becoming an emotional strain as well, because it's just exhausting to feel pain. And for me, one of the things that has always been a big challenge is not knowing where my pain comes from, or where my pain stems from, because I like to, um, I'm, I'm okay with having a challenge or having an issue, but I want to know, you know, kind of a little recipe of, of A to Z, here's how I'm going to fix this, or here's how I'm going to make this better. And when it comes to my back pain, I've never really had that, which has been one of the most frustrating parts of this is that I feel like I'm, I have no control and I'm not in the know of what is going on, what, what's happening within my body. So when I was a, a young teenager, so I have scoliosis, uh, it's fairly mild, it's not super severe, but I've had it since I was a young teenager. I grew really fast. Um, I grew a lot in a really short period of time. And uh, I have this little little twist of my spine, little curvature of my spine, and I have one hip that's more elevated than the other. So when I was 13, 14, I started getting this overwhelming lower back pain. It was always my lower back. And I spent a lot of time, you know, with different specialists. And I went to this place called Stockholm Spine Center, which is this really prestigious clinic, 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 uh, that's how you say it in Swedish. Oh my God, I'm mixing so many languages. I'm like forgetting. I'm speaking almost only Spanish <laughs> here in Spain. I'm like trying, I'm losing my papiamento, my, which is our Aruban language because I'm speaking so much Spanish. And then I'm speaking Swedish to the baby. I'm losing my English. Too many languages happening. Um, but yeah, it's this Swedish clinic, this very prestigious clinic where they actually do this kind of severe and, and really innovative surgeries for people with back issues and spinal um, spinal issues and, and kind of scoliosis and things like that. So I almost went through this very invasive surgery because of the extent of the pain that I had. And the interesting thing is along the way, um, when I was, was in my teens, 
and I was kind of going from specialist to specialist. And, you know, I would have days where I couldn't get out of bed. I'd had days where I couldn't bend over. I couldn't tie my shoes. I couldn't move. Just the back pain was so intense. And nowhere along the way did anybody tell me that I should move more, <laughs> which now, you know, I, I work in movement and I'm like, you know, the moment I found yoga, I realized, wait, like I spent my whole life and I never really had, uh, I never really had any core strength. I had no, nothing to support and hold my body up. I was really, uh, my core was very weak. And also I didn't have any space in the body. So I was really tight at the same time and had a lot of tension and really tight hamstrings. And, you know, no one, no one along the way gave me any sort of um, kind of prescription for movement uh, at all, which I find now just really, really strange. But they would prescribe me like um, pain, pain relief and pain medication and really quickly told me, okay, I'm going to need to have surgery for this issue because my aunt has it and my grandma had it. And it's just one of those things that, that they said would get worse and worse and worse as you age. So you better have the surgery now that you're only 15 because then uh, your body will adapt and you won't be kind of messed up for the rest of your life because you had this surgery for scoliosis. So I almost went through with that. Um, and then, you know, I think two years passed and I found yoga and yoga changed my life immediately. It was really like an immediate thing where I found the yoga practice. I started making space uh, where I was tight. I started building strength where I was weak and not just the physical change that I experienced within my own body, but also just the body awareness. And I had none. The only awareness I had was like, oh my God, sometimes there's pain and I can't move. But I was very unaware of, of health and of, of how I was feeling in my body day to day. I didn't know you know, am I feeling good? What triggers this? Uh, you know, I was very unconscious about the food I was eating. I wasn't moving at all. You know, I kind of, I kind of wanted to just be the skinny person. I remember spending a lot of time obsessing about my weight, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't have any awareness of just health or well-being at all. So yoga brought me that, which was just a beautiful, beautiful thing for a teenager um, to arrive at that. Okay. If I learn how to cultivate this listening within and I start to become aware and I live a present life in my body. It's much easier for me to anticipate like, okay, wait, I do X, Y, Z, I do this type of stuff and it doesn't feel good. Or if I don't move for a whole week, yeah, like at the end of the week, I have a lot of pain. Or if I don't stretch in this way, or if I don't breathe, also whenever I'm stressed or sad or angry, it triggers this back pain. So just the awareness of figuring out, you know, how am I feeling in this moment and how can I invite more awareness so that I can learn more about what brings me health, what brings me relief and what brings on pain and tension. So total game changer. Uh, anyone who's found yoga or meditation at a young age, I feel like one of the first things that I really thought about is why are, aren't we taught this in school? To me, that was just sort of a, a mind-blowing thing, you know, and, and especially for for PE and physical education and things like that, we would do so much. Like I remember, I think Sweden has a probably a really good wide um, range of, of things that they allow you to learn in school when it comes to, to body and, and physical education. There was nothing involving mindfulness, meditation, yoga, this kind of slowing down, but we would do every type of sport in the book, like everything. Uh, we would have you know a day for soccer, a day for American football, we'd go hiking, we'd go running, we'd do all these things, but nothing in that sphere of just slowing down and listening within. So 
I, I kind of feel like it should be a mandatory thing. I'm realizing even now, I mean, I have Leia Luna, she's only 13 months old, but whenever I sit down with her and I breathe deeply and I kind of get very present and very quiet with her, it immediately reflects in her energy, of course, right away. Same goes with, with, with my dogs and our animals. Like if I'm very hyper and frantic and excited, you know, it translates into how their energy elevates and kind of what they bring back my way. So if I want them to settle down and to be calm, I have to first settle down and be calm. So it's such a great learning to have and it's something we can keep forever. Um, so yeah, anyone listening, I super invite you to, if you have kids, you know, find a, find a kids yoga class, kids mindfulness class, or start practicing these things at home on your own. Because I do believe the the earlier we start, the easier it is to make this part of day-to-day life and not just this one thing we do once a week. So anyway, back to me and, and, and back to this, um, this story. So I found yoga and it completely changed how I was feeling in my body and um, this lower back pain that I had for forever, it just completely went away. It took about a year um, you know, immediately I had relief from the pain. Um, but it took about a year, maybe almost two years until I had no pain anymore. But I would just had, I would just have less and less pain and I would feel less and less tension through learning more and more about wellness and about how I was feeling. And also, you know, getting into kind of my past and some patterns that I had, and especially with stress and sadness and anger and things like that. I find that a lot of the pain that we carry physically in the body is very, very related, of course, to how we feel emotionally. And I came from a very rough and sort of traumatic and chaotic background. And the moment I found peace, it was also translated in this physical sense of well-being, which was a beautiful thing. And then fast forward a couple of years, I mean, a lot of years, and I went from feeling, you know, almost like a sort of a weak person, like I couldn't do very much with my body. And I was always scared I was going to throw my back out no matter what happened. And I built so much strength. I started feeling really empowered through my yoga practice. I learned how to invert and handstand and arm balance and, and all these things. And I sort of took it all the way to the other extreme. So from being a person who was scared of movement or scared of the intensity of this physical intensity of movement. I was scared to bend over. You know, I couldn't touch my toes when I started practicing yoga and I didn't like to bend over to touch my toes because I was always nervous I was going to throw my lower back out um, to someone who became like obsessed with finding the deepest forward fold and obsessed with pressing to handstand and one-armed handstands and this and that and learn, learn, learn. And, you know, I, the type of yoga practice I had at this time was uh, at least, you know, two to three hours a day. I would do like 50 or 100 chaturangas per, per practice and uh, like navasanas and just core work. And I would get really obsessed with doing one thing and I would repeat it like a hundred thousand times, which, yeah, isn't the most balanced way to practice. And for me, uh, it kind of took me to the other end of the spectrum. So from not moving at all to moving, uh, not, I don't want to say moving too much, but moving again in sort of a, a mindless way where I became very obsessed with the idea of learning a pose or nailing a pose or, uh, you know, I was also picking up my phone and shooting and filming things for Instagram, which I found is just a really, really challenging thing to invite into your life uh, as a whole. But when this was new for me, I just sort of dove in all the way. And what happened is I started getting a lot of upper back tension. So instead of this lower back pain that I had, I started getting a lot of upper back tension, of course. Like I look at or think back at my practice then, um, it was very, very, very uh, upper back strength kind of static related. So just, you know, if you're going to spend an hour a day trying to press up to handstand, you probably need to change some stuff up and make sure you incorporate a whole lot more of upper back opening and back bending and heart opening, which I wasn't doing at all. I was just kind of all in, it's all or nothing. Uh, I mean, I was like 20, 
22 <laughs> or something, you know, like I was very, very young and not, um, yeah, I became not super mindful about my practice. So it took me from one end of the spectrum to the other one. And then somewhere around then, uh, I took a teacher training and, uh, let me think here. I'm always mixing up the years. No, I, I must've been 21, 21 or 22. I took a teacher training and it was a very intense month. And somewhere after that, I did a whitewater rafting tour. Uh, somewhere in Costa Rica, it was like this fun thing, adventure that we were supposed to do. And strangely enough, this boat, this raft that we were in had a wooden seat, which is super, you know, unsafe for like a wild whitewater rafting thing. And we were in this really intense, like rapid, and we went into this huge bump and I flew out of the boat and I landed on the wooden seat, like bam, like super rough. And something, the, the feeling was as if something had broken in my upper back. Literally, I, I thought I had broken my back. It was just a snap, but not the kind of snap that you would experience when you just throw your back out or something like that, or when you get pain. It was like like a break. That's, that's the feeling I had. And for by far the most pain I'd ever been in my entire life. And... Uh, it took, oh, I don't know, maybe six months of just intense healing work and, and acupuncture three times a week and seeing different body workers and just very gentle practice. Like it took a really long time just for me to not be in severe pain because it was a legitimate injury. You know, it wasn't something that crept on. It was really an, an, a sharp injury in the moment. And since then, here's where for me, at least the interesting part comes along. Uh, I became so nervous about triggering this part of the body. So it's this little spot. It's around like T, let's see, T3, T4. Um, so thoracic spine around this area of the body. I became so nervous about triggering what in my mind became this injury, right? Like I had this injury there. Um, I didn't want to get an x-ray because I was terrified that an x-ray would say that I had broken something or that I had a, a herniated disc or, you know, I didn't want a diagnosis. I just wanted to heal myself through yoga. I was also, again, very nervous and very, not very mindful about what, what had happened through my body. So uh, I started telling myself this story of, okay, well, I had an, I have an injury here because I had an accident. Similarly to how when I was, um, I was 15 or 16, I had a car accident um, and the car kind of flipped over, landed upside down and I landed on my head. And again, I didn't have a proper diagnosis from a doctor, but I started telling myself this story of like, I have an injury because I was in a car accident. And I told that story for years and got over it through yoga and then I had this other thing and now I had another reason, another thing that my mind could attach to as injury, right? Like there's pain here. So eventually the pain went away all the way and started translating into kind of like a normal life where I could practice like normal. I stopped doing all this kind of intense press work and I slowed down in my practice and it brought me back into a more balanced space. But every six months or so, like maybe once a year, maybe, maybe twice a year, something would happen where I would um, throw my back out and this pain in my upper back would return. And it would always now after that accident that I, you know, this white water rafting thing, it would be in the same place of my body. So that happened maybe once, maybe twice. And after that, I sort of built this, um, this story to myself, which is something that I'm realizing now, but I've built this story to myself around this injury that I had in my upper back and how there are certain things that I just can't do anymore. So, um, for instance, um, I'll get really stressed or I'll work really hard or I'll have, um, you know, a thousand retreats in a row or a big teacher training or something very intense and overwhelming where I'm working really hard. And I'll start feeling this tension sort of in my upper back. 
And instead of just labeling this as, oh, I have some tension in my upper back, maybe I should slow down or maybe I need to just be mindful here and change something or, you know, uh, I start getting this little bit of a panicky feeling like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, my injury, right? (laughs) The story of this injury that I have. And instead of going into this place of tension and exploring, okay, well, what is it that sits here? right? What does my body actually need? Do I need more space? I need more strengthening. Can I get really into this part of my body and figure out what's going on? I get completely terrified and I seal it off. So I go like, oh my God, no, I have this injury now and it's flaring up or it's talking to me again. So I just, I just stop with everything, which isn't actually the best way to go. And this is also translating for me in a lot of ways um, through the study of yoga and the study of this practice that I've done for so long now and the idea that I was sort of brought up with in the yoga community of if something hurts you, you stop, right? If something bothers you, you stop, you walk away, you, you don't go there, which of course is a very you know sound piece of advice, especially if you're leading trainings and you're kind of, um, you know, bringing new teachers out into the world. You want people to teach yoga in a very mindful way. You don't want any student uh, to ever, you know, go into a place where they can move toward injury in their practice. Of course not. But what I have done or what I think a lot of us kind of are doing is we're taking it so far that we become even um, almost terrified of going toward a place where there is any sort of pain. And we tell people that the moment you encounter anything that, you know, if it's sharp sensation or if it's a lot, go away, you know, like, Um, find a modification for the pose, soften the pose or leave the pose. At least that's what I've been teaching for a really long time. If it doesn't feel good, you leave it. And of course, there's there's that difference between discomfort, which in yoga we look for, uh, at least the way I teach it, we look for discomforts. We look for these parts of the body where there's tension, there's tightness, maybe there's a pattern of a holding there or there's emotion stuck and you allow yourself to marinate in that, maybe even look for it. And then stay, but within the perimeters of your, um, you know, what, what feels all right. But whenever there's like a twinge or a pinch or, you know, any sort of pain, it's like, okay, you find a modification, walk away, change it or leave the pose or, you know, another variation of the pose. So what I've been doing for so long is whenever I arrive into this upper back sort of any type of sensation, you know, and which for me isn't just sensation or isn't, isn't just pain, but actually just sensation. I've been so scared to trigger this, this area of the body that I have deemed injured or that I, I've deemed weaker or that I've deemed sort of not in balance that I just leave it completely, which has led to this very unhealthy movement pattern in my body. And it's been a completely unconscious thing completely unconscious thing. It's just been like, okay, I have pain there. I don't want to trigger more of it. So whenever I feel something, I stop, which means I move the rest of my body, but I leave this upper back area kind of stagnant and kind of um, passive all the time. So meaning that whenever I'm, if I'm backbending, I take my backbends into other parts of the body. I try to make space in the parts where I'm stuck, but I'm so terrified of this pain that actually I don't let myself go there very much, which means I don't backbend very much at all because I don't want to backbend in my lower back or in my neck. So my backbending practice has become just very, very, very minimal over the past couple of years. Um, And same thing with any sort of strengthening, anything like that. Uh, If I feel it a lot in my upper back, I soften, I drop my knees, I change it, I, I do something else. So and I have, you know, been under the impression that this is, you know, healthy because I have this sort of thing there and it's probably going to be there forever. And the epiphany that I've had now and that I'm having continuously over these past couple of weeks is 
I have spoken about this. I feel like the last three or four podcast episodes have all been related to pain of some sort because it's what I'm moving through in my own life. But I had one of those little flare-ups happen where my spine sort of felt like a snap. And then uh, I had two epiphanies. <laughs> one was, okay, I'm just going to accept that this pain is here. The pain is here. I'm accepting it. Uh, I'm not going to fight it anymore. I'm not going to make it into this issue that I ponder and that I obsess over in my mind. I'm just going to accept it is what it is. This is the pain. Every three, four months, it just happens. It is what it is. To the next week where I was practicing with Laura Hyman, one of my favorite teachers who came to Aruba um, to help me and give me some body work because I was in more pain than usual. My epiphany that week was, okay, it is what it is, but it's not cool. <laughs> like it's not normal. I'm 29 years old. I'm a healthy person to have this sort of pain, um, you know, debilitating pain flare up, not once a year anymore, not twice a year anymore, but like three or four times a year, you know, every three or four months. It's, it's not normal. It's too much. No, I'm going to figure out what's happening. I'm going to really spend some time to prioritize my pain and prioritize my body and go into it, which I haven't really done. And I'm, and I'm kind of mind blown by that, actually. So anyone who lives with any sort of pain knows just how challenging it is, how hard it is to get anything else done to continue living your life in this sort of normal way. And still, I've put everything else above myself. You know, like at the very top of my list of priorities, number one is always the baby. Like she's there, her well-being, whatever she needs, like it's up there beyond everything else. And then somewhere, yeah, like second place, I want to say it's always Dennis. Um, <laughs> it's not always Dennis. Uh, usually I put work or, you know, kind of uh, the businesses or things I have to do. And then I like, you know, remember like, oh shit, I have to prioritize my husband a little bit more and I bump him up to number two, but it's like a constant struggle of, um, yeah, of, of my priorities between work and uh, and my marriage. And then, you know, after that, I have all these sort of things that I'm doing and, and, and employees and I have like a thousand things on this list. And then at the very, very bottom, like if there's any time left in my day after I've done all the stuff that I normally do, then it's like, oh, maybe I should like do something about this pain that I have. <laughs> maybe I should like book a massage or I should like go get acupuncture or I should go get a treatment or I should do something. But it's at the very bottom of my list. And I'm wondering now, is it because I'm just used to deprioritizing myself? Like I put everyone else above myself or is it, because I'm actually sort of terrified to explore what sits in this part of my body. Like, what is it that's in this pain? You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. Mother's Day is just around the corner. If you're looking for the perfect gift to give mom this year, I know one thing us mothers could all use a whole lot more of, sleep. Well, how do you give the gift of sleep? with the highest quality and comfiest bedding linens around, of course. You can get them from Parachute. Parachute offers modernly designed bed and bath linens in neutral colors that look great in any room. The natural colored striped linen quilt has brought the breezy, effortless feel of a classic beach-style house to my bedroom. But that's not all. Parachute goes way beyond organic. Their products surpass the highest criterion for testing for harmful chemical and synthetics. And somehow, Parachute's sheets only get softer every time they are washed. I sleep even better at night knowing I I make a conscious choice as well. Parachute partners with the United Nations Foundation to donate malaria-preventing bed nets to those in need, and all returns are donated to Habitat for Humanity. It's a way to give back even when you're sleeping. Parachute dreams of a world where everyone spends more time in bed, moms included. But you don't have to dream anymore. Try Parachute for yourself, and you can turn the perfect night's sleep into your reality. 
Visit ParachuteHome.com slash YogaGirl for free shipping and returns on parachutes, very comfortable bedding, and bath linens. That's ParachuteHome.com slash YogaGirl for free shipping and returns on parachutes, bedding, and bath linens. We offer a 60-day trial, so if you don't love it, just send it back. Parachute.com slash YogaGirl. Do scents evoke memories and transport you back to being on the beach during your favorite vacation? I know they do for me. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil smells like summer or the beach in Aruba, bottled with all natural uplifting notes of mango, mandarin, grapefruit, lime, and cypress. But it's not just about the elevated scent. This body oil is clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and deeply moisturize, leaving skin silky and soft. It delivers that coveted post-vacation glow, like you just returned from a tropical getaway. And right now, you can get 10% off your first order with our code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. I love Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil. I use it every single day and I have for so many years. It makes me feel silky smooth and just glowing. This body oil is rich but never greasy and clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity. It visibly firms your skin, leaving you more sculpted and toned. No wonder I feel so great after using it. But it gets even better. With Osea, you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Osea's products are clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. They are a women-founded company that has been making seaweed-infused skincare for over 28 years. So bring on summer. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care at Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. So all of that is now changing or has changed. So through this this intense six weeks of pain that I've had just recently, through Laura coming to Aruba to to really help and support me and she figured helped me figure a lot of things out. And what it actually took was me saying like, hey, I need help. Okay. I cannot do this on my own anymore. Since giving birth, this pain has escalated so much. Um, you know, it's not just a once a year thing anymore. Like I could live with that, but it's coming up again and again and again. And when that pain arrives, it doesn't really ever all the way go away. So since giving birth, something has definitely shifted within the body and I need help and I need to prioritize myself and put myself above everything else. And that for me was a really scary thing to do. I'm really a little bit uncomfortable about, um, you know, kind of waving my hands and going like, hey, 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 I need to be number one now. Like I need, I need everyone's attention. I need everyone to just stop and like, you know, help me. <laughs> uh, I, I don't generally like that. Like I like to be the fixer. I like to be the one who, you know, looks at other people and, and I like to go, okay, well, how can I support you? It's just sort of a natural <laughs> personality trait that I have. So doing this was for me kind of scary, venturing out of my comfort zone, but felt really, really good. I figured so many things out with Laura um, and decided, okay, we're going to Spain. We're going to be in Spain for two weeks. I want to continue this. I don't want to just dive in from this to going on vacation and, you know, going back into these old patterns, but I'm going to like change something. And it means I need to go way beyond my comfort zone and try something totally brand new, totally brand new. So if you've followed me a little bit on social media and Instagram over the past week, you probably have seen that I have been training with this guy named Jonas, who is a napropat. 
So it's not a naturopath. A lot of people have been saying like, oh, I'm spelling it wrong. It's called a naturopath. No, that's something completely different. It's naprapathic medicine. Uh, And it's actually very, very unknown in the US and in the rest of the world. In Sweden and Norway, it's huge. Like it's bigger than Cairo and osteopaths. And like it's, it's a really, really big practice. So it's derived from osteopathy and chiropractic medicine. I'm reading off of Google right now. Uh, Naprapathic medicine is a holistic approach to wellness that focuses on connective tissue disorders. Damaged connective tissue, including muscles, tendons, and ligaments can cause pain to slowly build and spread throughout the body. So it kind of combines Chinese medicine and there's some acupuncture in there. um, And there's some chiro kind of based in chiropractic medicine. Um, but it's a much gentler approach and it's also 100% based in movement. So it's not just, you know, you go to a chiropractor, they'll crack your back and then you leave. Um, it's it's actually a full body diagnosis. So looking in where is the imbalance within the body that's leading to this pain, not just looking at the you know location of the pain and how can we use movement, uh, maybe paired with some gentle adjustments um, perhaps, but usually movement to fix and heal this issue. So Jonas is a guy that I see when I'm in Sweden um, and I'm not very often in Sweden. So I'll go and I'll get treatments with him. And then he always gives me homework and things I have to do at home. And I never do them. <laughs> I never do them. I just, I've never, I never do them. Like I have my yoga practice. I just do yoga. And according to him, and this is like things that he's told me now for like forever and that I just haven't been listening to. It's okay. Well, you're doing yoga your way and you have this thing going on in your body and the pain keeps coming back. Like you need to change something. You need to invite something new, maybe remove something. You need to look at this with a different perspective. It can't just be the same practice that you've had since you were 18, 19 years old because your body is different right now. But I have been very lazy in my yoga practice for a long time. And also I am very busy. Like I'm not really um, giving myself the time and space of those two to three hours a day anymore. You know, if I have an hour a day to practice yoga, that's what I get. Some days it's 20, 30 minutes when the baby naps, you know. And it's also, I like to say this all the time, you know, changing the sentence of uh, I don't have time for that uh, and saying what it actually means, which is that is not a priority for me. And that's how I've been treating myself since I had the baby. I've constantly told myself, I don't have time for myself. I don't have time for me. I don't have time for for, uh, for healing. I don't have time for a long practice. But truth is, me, like I, am not a priority <laughs> right now. I'm not prioritizing that. Because yeah, I have time for a lot of other things. Like I'm doing a lot. There's 24 hours to a day. I'm super busy all the time. Apparently, like, you know. I have time to do a bunch of stuff, but I don't have time for myself just means that I'm not prioritizing myself. And how does that equation work? Also for our businesses and everything we do, like everything hangs on me. So if if I fail or if my body fails and I'm not feeling well, everything else is going to fail too. So I've, I've been way off in my priorities since this past since this past year for sure. So all these homeworks and things that Jonas has been giving me over the past year, I've just, I haven't done them. And, you know, maybe they'll stick for like a week and then I'm like, ah, no, this is not really clicking for me. And then usually my pain is gone by then. So it's only when I'm in this intense or acute pain that I'm like, oh my God, I have to fix something and do something. What's going on? Uh, and then the pain goes away and I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. You know? And then, yeah, a couple of months later it comes back and then I'm like, oh my God, Jonas, help me. <laughs> but I haven't been actually, you know, changing or doing something. So what I decided to do is something completely radical. Uh, and I flew Jonas into Spain to work with me for eight days in Spain, like a sort of boot camp. Um, and not boot camp in like the most intense workouts ever, just like a boot camp in terms of healing and getting to the bottom of what's going on uh, in my body right here, right now. 
And we booked it and I was kind of like, okay, a little bit. He's like, you know, you're going to have to work really, really hard. Like I'm not coming in, you know, flying all the way from Sweden, um, spending all this time if you're not dedicated and, you know, you have to be ready to work and to really, 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 um, really do something here because I'm going to introduce some, some really unconventional stuff and some things that you've never seen. And it's going to be very different than what you're used to, uh, but you have to go all in. And I was like, okay, I'm all in. And the interesting thing that happened, so since we have vacation here and I was also here for Olivia's bachelorette party, which was last weekend, my best friend's bachelorette. Um, So there was a lot of things going on and I had to actually, you know, in the middle of this pain, when I booked this at home before we flew, I had to tell Dennis, I'm like, hey, I've made a decision. I know this is supposed to be our vacation and uh, we have this vacation in Spain, but I am going to bring in Jonas and we're going to work to help my, help, help heal my back. And he's like, okay, that's great. That's such a great idea. I was like, yeah, it's going to be about five to six hours a day. And he's like, what? (laughs) Five to six hours a day? What what do you mean? You're going to be like, what are you going to do for that long? And we're supposed to have vacation. And what about, what about me? And what about the baby? What are we going to do? And I was, I had to be like, you know what? This is really unusual. I just need you to support me right now. I need you to not, you know, look at all the negatives. And yeah, it's going to take like half the day away from what we normally do. You know, I just need you to support me and, and, and really go all in. And he was like, you know, it was like something for him to really digest. Like, oh, like this is going to ruin our whole vacation. But then he was like, okay, I get it. You know, this is your back pain and it's really important. So like, let's, let's go. So <laughs> we get to Spain, um, really horrible trip. Uh, there, if you heard my last podcast, really intense. <laughs> and uh, when we started, so the first day of these eight days, uh, I wasn't in acute pain anymore because Laura helped me a lot. I had two vertebrae out of place, one that might have been out of place forever. I don't know for how long. Uh, so after that, I definitely felt a lot better, but I still had a lot of tension and I still had a lot of pain. So we would start every day. We do three hours in the morning and he wanted three hours in the afternoon, but I made it two hours. So I had some time to be with Dennis and the baby. Um, Three hours in the morning. So we would start with some gentle adjustments, um, some myofascial work and some, um, not massage in any way because it doesn't feel good, but just kind of digging into muscles that are, are tight or that need a little bit of support and release. And And then we would start with these exercises and I've showed some of them through Instagram and people are wondering what the hell is going on. But when we started, um, I could barely put any weight on, especially my right hand, because my pain was a little bit more on the right side. So in the neck and upper back, um, I could barely put weight on my right hand and I I was super careful about any of these things that we're doing. And what we were doing, um, it's a wide range of, I really, I'm going to, I'm going to bring Jonas on the podcast one day uh, when we have time. Maybe when we're in Sweden in June, so we can get deeper into this stuff. But uh, we would do everything from. So when we started off, we've been doing a lot of hanging. So he brought these rings that we tied to the balcony, and I've been just hanging for seven minutes a day, which sounds just a passive hanging. It sounds really easy and really simple. It's the hardest, hardest thing. So 30 seconds at a time, and then 30 second break, and then 30 seconds of hanging, and then 30 second break for seven minutes. Uh, So I do eight rounds in the morning and six rounds in the afternoon. It's so hard. Oh my God. Uh, And then we've done some just really uh, kind of gentle backbending, but not at all in the way we do them in yoga, like not at all the way I was taught. So I had to just throw kind of all my ideas about proper alignment and everything out the window because uh, the way that he does all of this, it's totally different. And I was in the beginning, I was so cautious. I was like, well, wait, 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 wait. Like, we don't do it this way. Like, you know, you need to have your hands shoulder width apart, your feet this way and this distance from your sacrum to your heels and la, 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 la. 
And he was like, okay, like I get this like idea of perfect alignment and yoga, la la. But he's like, you have to learn to move in all ranges of motion, like in all ways. You need to be able to move in every different way and do you know, a backbend with this alignment and then with this alignment and with this alignment and still be fine and still not injure yourself. And if you don't teach your body to move in all sorts of different ways, it, you're, you're going to be in this kind of liable, sensitive way where if you end up in a place where you're normally not, you ever end up out of, quote unquote, this perfect yoga alignment, you're going to get injured. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, for instance, so in, in, in yoga and the way I've been taught for the past decade, you know, we don't throw our head all the way back. <laughs> like you see, you know, uh, and, and I, and I understand where this comes from, of course, especially when we have new students and they're kind of throwing themselves into the practice. And if the vinyasa is done uh, a little bit mindlessly, you can get into this very deep, um, this very deep where you almost like compress the vertebra of the cervical spine and you throw your head back in upward dog and it becomes this exaggeration of a, of a back bend, but just in the upper spine. So the way I teach it always is the crown of the head is an extension of the spine and you want the curve to continue in this very soft way. So the deeper the back bend, the deeper uh, the bend in the cervical spine as well, the more you lift your gaze. But if you're in this kind of gentle back bend, yeah, don't throw your head back. Like, no. So, you know, I teach this in a very specific way. And what Jonas had me doing the first days were these neck stretches where you move your head laterally left, right, and then front and back. And then where you tilt your head all the way back, all the way back as far as you can, you know, without like intense pain, all the way back and let it be there. And then we do all these breathing exercises and pranayama and things with the head, head like tilted all the way back. And I'm like, you know, it's like this, like I have been taught that this is not how we do it. <laughs> you know, you don't like, no, you don't throw your head back all the way this way. It's just, it's just not good. You're going to get injured this way. Like, and then he said, well, if you spend your entire life, never, ever looking all the way up, never bringing your head all the way back, you know, you always are within the perimeters of this kind of boxed in idea of alignment. There's going to be a moment in your life where accidentally, or, you know, your head ends up beyond that. And then you're going to get injured because you've never been there before. You have no range of motion there. There's no space there. There's no flexibility there. There's no strength in the right places. So yeah, you're going to, you know, be in like a very gentle little car accident or you're going to, you know, look up abruptly or something's going to happen and you're out of alignment. And yeah, then injury happens because your body is not used to being there. So you need to teach your body and train your body to be everywhere and to move in every way. And then you can stay within the alignment of your yoga practice when you're on the mat, but you also do these other types of exercises so that you can move in all ways so that when you end up in that space where you look all the way up or you throw your head back um, you know, without meaning to, then yeah, injury doesn't happen. And I was like, like I was like quiet and like digesting what he says. <laughs> it just goes against so much of my own training. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. My home is the most sacred space. It's under this roof that my family grows. The walls hold pictures and memories of family, friends, and infinite love. The floors are where my baby girl took her first steps. I want this house to look as sacred as it feels. And that's where a great interior design platform comes in. If you feel the same way about your home as I do, you can manifest your own sacred space with Havenly. Havenly makes it as easy as one, two, three to design that perfect space. They've already completed tens of thousands of beautiful designs within any budget, big or small. Starting at just $79 per room, you can do it too. 
Your first step is to take the free style quiz that pairs you with a designer that vibes with your unique style. And since Havenly has over 100 real professional interior designers on their team, your match is waiting for you right now. Next, you share your floor plan and room dimensions with your designer by filling out your room profile. They will quickly come back to you with an initial set of ideas to design the living space of your dreams. It's as easy as that. Havenly does all the work for you. Incorporate nostalgic pieces you already own and love or buy new items directly through Havenly's platform with access to hundreds of retailers and guaranteed best prizes for my listeners in the US. Your ordering concierge will purchase all your pieces and keep a close eye on your orders to ensure everything gets to you with no hassle. Your happiness is 100% guaranteed because everyone deserves a beautiful living space. Turn your house into a home. Try Havenly today by visiting havenly.com slash yoga girl and get 25% off of your design package. That's H-A-V-E-N-L-Y.com com slash yoga girl for 25% off your design package havenly.com slash yoga girl speaking like i'm speaking this now there's people that uh you know any yoga teacher listening like there's so many different teachings when it comes to alignment and the body and anatomy you know there's like a, a hundred thousand different ways to do every single pose i'm just talking from a very kind of general way of the way that i have been taught through the teachers or of the, by the teachers that i've had over the past 10 years so there might be people listening now that are like, well, of course, this is super obvious. And there might be people listening going like, wait, well, dude, this is not good. So what I want to really get at is that I have been very locked in this box of what it means to move correctly. Quoting that with little air quotes here, um, correctly. And this idea that Jonas has introduced to me over the week in that I need to be able to move in every way in and out of yogic alignment and I should be fine doing all of those things and not be injured and not feel any sort of pain. So we've been doing, for instance, we've been doing wheels and I haven't done, I mean, I've done maybe two, like Urdha Dhanurasana, I've done, I've done two full wheels since I had the baby. Um, first it was, you know, like postpartum stuff and then it's just been this back pain that I've had in my upper back hasn't felt good at all. So I had just haven't been practicing it at all. We have done <laughs> these past eight days, I want to say like 100 or 200 or 300 I don't even know like every day it's just repetition of repetition of uh, different variations of bridge and wheel and you know in in one of the first ones that we have like I'm on my toes my knees are tilted out squeezing my butt to get like I'm doing all these things that I would never teach that I would never practice myself and I'm like dude is this supposed to be this way and he's like you should be able to to hold wheel with this alignment you should be able to hold wheel in your yogic alignment, you should be able to hold wheel uh, engaging your core. You should be able to hold wheel with a totally soft belly. You should be able to hold wheel in all forms of alignment and not have any pain. And that's what we're working toward now is for you to have strength in all ways and space in all ways so that you can practice in all ways and not be in pain. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So I've been doing so many things now, totally unconventionally. And what's been more even more mind-blowing than my body because a lot of stuff has happened and come up in my body this week of course has been this realization of the idea that I've held on to this very structured rigid idea of this is what my body can and cannot do and it's been a total it's it's completely held me back in so many ways I can't even I can't even believe it so for me throwing all of these rigid ideas out the window this week which I totally have I'm like okay I'm gonna skip everything that I've learned everything that I've known and I'm just gonna do this Jonas's way because I'm I need to get out of my comfort zone and see what's going on and what it looks like uh, has been happening with my body which has been such a relief to kind of get a grasp on is um, I have had for the past 
you know, decade, I guess since I was 18, 19, since I was practicing very dynamically, very intensely, I've had this very solid connection to my core and it's been sort of automatic. I haven't had to fight for it. I haven't had to work for it. I've just been one of those people that has a very strong center, uh, meaning that when I practice and like, you know, I was able to do so many things and practice every day for hours and do advanced poses and all these things. And my core sort of held me together all the time. So even Though I was lacking a lot of space in my upper back, my neck, I was weak in a lot of muscles. Um, that's sort of like it was okay. I could roll with that because my core was so strong that it held me. And then I had a baby. And <laughs> anybody who's had a baby knows, um, you know, having a baby means that your core completely separates and you make space for this belly, for this baby in the middle of the belly. And I lost that strong centered connection. Uh, I still have, you know, I still have core strength. My, my core is still there. Uh, like I, I, everything is, is fine and, and kind of, I want to say back to normal, but you know, that strong center is gone in a way. And that means that since having the baby, when I move, and especially when I move on my yoga mat, the things that I was able to do before, a lot of them, I, I can still do a lot of it now. I just do it a little bit gentler and I don't go all the way in all of that. But since I don't have that strong center holding me anymore, I'm taking out a lot of these movements in certain parts of my upper back and the neck. So I'm kind of dispersing my energy, the energy that used to be centered around my core is now going out into my limbs, into my neck. And I have been over and hypermobile in these certain parts of my spine. So for instance, uh, we would start every session in the morning with just uh, a few very gentle exercises so he can see, okay, when I move my head left, right, up, down, all these ways, where am I taking that movement out in my in the spine? And almost all the movement is centered around this very specific part of my neck. So I am super, super, super mobile there, which means anytime I do anything on the mat, I feel like I can go deep, I feel like I can backbend, but I'm really just centering all the movement around this tiny little part of my spine that becomes hypermobile, it becomes, you know, it's really, I have no strength around that area at all. And then eventually it gets exhausted and tired because I'm moving, I'm taking it out in this part of my spine too much. Uh, and then I get this little impingement of nerves there and my body just freezes up and goes, no, no more. And that's the feeling I have when I quote unquote throw my back out. So what we've been doing now is through these exercises, you know, building strength around these parts where I'm just too mobile and then making space in every other part of my body, specifically the spine. And doing that has meant just taking everything I know, throwing it out the window and trying something completely new and being really, really open to new things. Um, so one of the things that we've been doing, for instance, he was like, don't you think it's interesting that you can hold a handstand forever, but you can't do one single pull up? <laughs> and I was like, pull up? Are you kidding me? Like a pull up? <laughs> I'm not going to do pull ups. Like I'm not a pull up person. Like I'm not like a, I'm not like a gym person. I'm like a cross, you know, pull ups. Like the idea of a pull up to me is just so foreign and insane <laughs> and wild. But what I've learned throughout this week is just, you know, a lot of what we do in yoga is very static and it's so much of it revolves just pressing our body weight off of the floor. We do no hanging. There's nothing to hang from in yoga. We do no pulling. We do no climbing. You know, so all these movements and also for the rotation and for the mobility of the shoulders, like all these kind of, you know, our bodies are meant to move in all these different ways. And yoga is very limited in that, yeah, we don't build strength in those areas at all. So yeah, it is sort of strength. I can, it's strange. I can hold a handstand forever, but I can't do one single pull up. So we've been working on that. 
a lot. Uh, the mobility of my scapula and my shoulder blades, we've done so much around that. Uh, we started on the first day, I could barely put any weight on my hands in these uh, specific you know, types of movements. Whereas, you know, building up, building up, building up. And on the eighth day, um, I'm holding a wheel pose that like sort of resembles my wheel like five years ago. Uh, you know, and I feel really good in my wheel and I feel really good with my off alignment, I call it, with the, with the alignment that we've been doing this week where the knees go out and, you know, I can be on my toes, whatever. Like I feel good there. I feel good in the yogic alignment too. Like I feel good in these back bends in all the ways that I enter them, which is just really odd and really strange to me. Um, and we've been practicing these pull-ups and also these kind of rowing exercises where you pull forward. And it's some of this is like the hardest thing I've ever done ever. And it's so unconventional and it's so strange. And we've been like chasing each other across the lawn and crawling and climbing and doing like really weird squats. And oh my God, it's been, <laughs> it's been such, it's been so interesting. It's been just so, so, so interesting. And my consensus is I feel really, really good. And there's been so many moments when we're in like a very strange kind of exercise and I feel like I start feeling some sort of pain or I start feeling some sort of tension. And I'm like, okay, wait, 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 I can't do that. It doesn't feel good. And he's like, okay, well, what does that mean? I'm like, well, I, I feel it in my upper back. He's like, okay, what do you feel? I'm like, well, I feel it. It's like, okay, you feel it. <laughs> you feel sensation in your upper back. Like, what do you feel? I'm like, I just, I feel it there. So then I stop. He's like, well, if every time you're like, oh, I feel it in my upper back. I feel like in this part, you walk away. It's like, you're never going to go anywhere. You're going to be stagnant and you're going to be, you're going to stay in this sort of seized, sealed off place where this idea of injury is there. So you never, ever, ever go into it. It's like, you have to explore, stay. So it's like, okay, I feel it. Well, what does it mean? Is it sharp pain? Is it this? And I got to really sort of dive into this place and peel off layers of an area of my body that I have kept completely sealed off because of fear. So there's not only this physical stagnation there, there's also this emotional fear-related stagnation where I don't want to bring energy to this area because I'm scared something is going to happen. I'm scared it's going to snap. I'm scared of the pain. And a lot of the things that we did when I was automatically, oh, I can't do that. So what do you mean you can't do that? I'm like, no, no, I can't do that. It's, it, it doesn't work with my upper back. He's like, okay, have you tried it lately? Like, have you, I'm like, no, but I just, I just know. And then inevitably, like he would convince me I would do it. And then I'm in the shape and I'm like, actually, it's fine. I feel nothing. Like, I don't feel weird at all. And, you know, we would have that conversation maybe a hundred times where I'm like, I, I don't think I can do that. And he's like, okay, convincing me. And then we try it and then I'm in it and it's, okay. So then the next time this similar type of thing would show up, I would be like, okay, well, I think I can try it because last time it was okay. And then I would go into it again and then I would stay a little longer or I would go a little bit deeper. And inevitably, like again and again and again and again, the epiphany that I had every day is like, I can do that. I can also do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can, I can do all of this. All of these things that I thought like in a million years because of this tension that I've felt in my upper back, the idea of a pull up, I'm like, come on. <laughs> I'm not going to do a pull-up. Like that sounds like the stupidest thing I could ever do. Yeah, I can do a pull-up. <laughs> I actually can. And I can feel really good doing it too. You know, it's been just such an interesting thing, realizing that the story that I've told myself about my body, about this injury, about this pain, what my body can and cannot do, what my body should and should not do, and the idea of alignment, it's kept me in this little prison of immobility. <laughs> and it's totally crazy. It's totally insane. And I feel like, I feel really free in this idea of like, okay, like I can do so much more than I think. And maybe what's kept me in this injury or what's kept me in this pain is just my mind. It's actually not the body at all. 
at all, at all, at all. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. After spending years not wearing one, I knew that only a revolutionary bra would draw me back. But it felt impossible to find great fitting bras that offered both comfort and support. Well, ladies, we're not reaching for the stars here by demanding a bra we look and feel amazing in. That revolutionary bra is finally out there and you can find it at Third Love. Third Love has taken thousands of real women's measurements and combined it with super smoothing memory foam to spark a bra revolution. They don't stop there. While most old school bra brands only carry 15 sizes, Third Love offers an incredible 60 sizes so you can be sure your exact fit is out there. Third Love offers bras in sizes AA through G, including half cup sizes not offered by anyone else. If you're not sure about your proper size, you can chat with a fit specialist or take their 60-second fit finder quiz as you shop from the comfort of your own home. No more awkward fitting room experiences and no more settling with a close enough fit. Third Love knows there is a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Try a Third Love bra today and you might even forget you're wearing it. If you don't agree, returns and exchanges are always easy and free. Make the change that will change the way you think about bras. Go to thirdlove.com slash heart right now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off of your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash heart. Thirdlove.com slash heart. And then there's been other moments when, you know, in all the, these, this, all this work, oh, so much work. Oh my God. It's been, I have every muscle of my body hurts right now. Like I have pain in different places, you know, different ways different place, places I've never felt in my life. Like, I, oh my God, it's crazy. But there's been so many moments where something has been so challenging, like really so challenging that I'm like, I can't do it. But I don't like to quit. So I, I'm not a quitter. I'm like, I can't do it. He's like, okay, well, what is it? I'm like, so for instance, hanging in the rings and doing pull-ups. I, I haven't done that ever in my whole life. It hurts my hands so bad. I mean, I have calluses. It's only been eight days. Nine, this is my ninth day because I did one day of solo training yesterday. But I have new calluses. I mean, under on each knuckle, so I've had so much pain in my hands and, you know, these calluses are just growing and then we're doing repetition after repetition after repetition of hanging or pulling and all these things. And there's been moments where my hands are on fire and I feel like they're just like cut up or sliced up with knives and I don't feel the, 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 the practice or the, the, you know, the, whatever we're doing, the repetition anywhere else. I'm like, it's just my hands. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, I just gave up. I'm like, I can't, like my hands, this is not normal. It shouldn't feel like this in my hands. This is supposed to work like my my core or something else. And then he's like, so what, it's pain? I'm like, yeah, it's pain. He's like, okay, so it's pain. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's pain. So let's do something else. He's like, okay, a little bit of pain is not gonna kill you. Like you need to learn how to be uncomfortable. You need to learn how to feel discomfort. You need to learn how to accept a bit of pain. You're going to do this exercise right now. It's your hands. You're going to continue doing it every day for as long as it takes. Next week, it's going to be somewhere else. It's going to be your shoulder. It's going to be your ankle. It's like these things, this type of moving your body in all sorts of ways is going to show you parts of the body that still need something built up or that still needs something released. And your mind likes to get super attached to this idea of, oh my God, I can't do it because my hands. He's like, the worst thing that happens is you're going to lose a little bit of skin on your hands. So what? <laughs> and I'm just like, mind blown by this idea because you know in yoga <laughs> we're so gentle and we're so careful and if it doesn't feel good you know, just walk away just leave it careful 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 self-love and all this stuff but what if self-love sometimes involves a little bit of pain you know what if we need to actually take ourselves deeper than discomfort and pigeon pose and I'm not saying like okay you know if you're, you're in pigeon pose and you feel like intense shooting pains in your knee yeah probably get out of the pose but you know what I mean and I think I have been very comfortable all the way around. 
um, all the time. Um, so like we were doing these kind of um, uh, wall climbs in and out of wheel pose. And there's a moment where I just felt like I can't hold myself up. And he's like, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like you fall. I'm like, yeah, I fall. I don't want to fall in wheel pose. I'm going to fall on my head. Like I'm, he's like, okay. And, and then what? It's like, first of all, you're not going to fall. But this idea of like falling, it's the worst thing that can happen. It's like, yeah, you're going to fall. You're going to, your hands are going to hurt. You're going to lose a little bit of skin. Maybe you'll bleed. Oh my God. Is that the end of the world? You know, like get out of this cushy, comfortable, you know, perfect place where everything is amazing. And this is sort of also a big eye opener for me because I really like to be comfortable, right? I really like to be comfortable. And something that Jonas does, he's very much into like ice baths where he'll, you know, cut a hole through the ice in the middle of winter in Sweden and sit in freezing water for like 10 or 15 minutes. Um, like wilderness retreats where you have to like make your own tools and hunt your own food. Like, you know, these things all sound like absolute torture nightmares to me, like completely. And he said something that was so interesting. He's like, well, if you if you practice like ice baths or ice bathing a lot, you know, the next time you're at, at having like a beautiful summer evening and it gets a little bit chilly, he's like, you're not going to feel that. You're not going to complain because the temperature dropped two degrees, uh, you know. But if you're always comfortable and, uh, you know, you're in your home and it gets a little cold, well, you, you turn the heat up a little bit. If it gets too warm, you turn the AC on. We're so used to being just perfectly comfortable all the time that we lose this connection to the body. The body is meant to feel cold and regulate. It's meant to feel warm and regulate. Uh, and keeping this connection of the body just being able to shift and go with the flow of what comes our way, right? Of the natural elements and nature and weather. And if we don't practice taking ourselves out of this completely perfect comfort zone, a lot of things are going to be really hard. So when something actually challenging comes our way, yeah, we're going to have a really, really hard time dealing with that. So the idea of, of accepting a bit of pain, okay, my skin is going to fall off of my hands. <laughs> it's not awesome, but yeah, it's not going to kill me, you know, and I'll build up the strength. And he was actually right. So the poses or the shapes or the, the practices that we did the first day where I was like, oh my God, I can't do this. My ankle, like I had my ankles in this one thing we did was just killing me. And now I do it today. And yeah, I don't feel it in my ankles at all. I've forgotten what it felt like in my ankles. Like now I feel it somewhere else. And it's just my body getting used to these new types of movements. And honestly, I, <laughs> I, I really want to keep this up. I'm not going to continue five hours a day. Um, no, because I just don't have that time. But I'm definitely going to keep this idea of moving my body in every way, right? So learning how to venture out of this perfect structure of perfect alignment. And also when I teach it, I think, I guess I've been contemplating this a lot, because uh, then has been here, he's like, well, what about in teacher training? Are you going to tell people to do this and this and this and that they don't have to care about alignment? And I'm like, no, of course not, you know. It's the most important thing uh, with new teachers is that we learn how to safely uh, instruct beginners and new people in this practice to keep everybody safe. But I think I have been a little bit too manic almost about it, like a little bit too careful about, uh, you know, only allowing ourselves to move in this certain specific way. Uh, I, th I think, honestly, I, I think my teaching is going to change a little bit after this week too, because... Uh, I'm going to let go of this rigid idea of what it has to look like. You know, it's also important that we trust our students to learn this for, our, for, for themselves. We can't step in there and, and feel what they feel in our practice. So we can give tools, yeah, but we also don't want to box ourselves in so that we can only move in this way. And if we move in another way, yeah, then it doesn't work or we feel pain or we, or we have injury all of a sudden. 
So <laughs> one of the other things that we've been doing is, is something called a spinal wave. Dennis posted this on his Instagram. It was one of the funniest, <laughs> funniest Instagram stories of all time. I'm gonna I'm gonna share it on mine because it was just so hilarious. But spinal waves in that you let your you know every vertebrae of the spine move individually, and it's just something that we don't do in yoga either in the same sort of way. And I feel really inspired right now just to change things up completely and to invite new forms of movement into my life, into my practice, into my teaching. And more than anything else, I feel confident about my back pain. And I was asking on the last day, I was like, am I never going to have pain again? You know, because I haven't had any pain throughout this week and we're doing so much and I felt, you know, sore in every muscle, but no pain. He says, of course, yeah, it might come back. But if you stick with this and you keep movement going, movement is medicine. That was the title of the last podcast, movement as medicine. And before we go running to the doctor, we go running, you know, for all these other people to fix us and to heal us and you know more acupuncture more massage more of this and this and this we need to move and learn how to heal ourselves and that's something that I've just completely I haven't done at all I haven't uh, I haven't felt empowered I haven't given myself the permission to put myself first and actually look into what is it that's causing all this tension all this tightness all this this pain so I'm I'm really, really, really excited to, to keep this going. And uh, I'm going to show some of the things that we're doing through Instagram. It's just some of it looks like absolutely it's it's so fun. Uh, one of the things that we're doing, oh, maybe I can kind of end with that inspiration because that would be awesome. So what we've been doing at the end of every really, really challenging um, of every challenging session is we shake. And there's a, a Kundalini meditation that I love from Osho where, where you shake your entire body and it just feels so amazing. So I'm kind of used to shaking, um, but not, you know, every day. It's not like something that I do every single day. But there's this idea that uh, shaking is a primal, it's a primal thing and it's an anatomical, it's a physiological function. So we shake when we're too cold. Uh, you know how any animal, every mammal will kind of shake things off. Like I look at Ringo every time he's asleep and he stands up, he shakes it off. And we even have that saying like, oh, just shake it off. Like you shake something off and we accumulate energy and we work and all this stuff and actually shaking can help us uh, release anything that's stuck in the body and also lingering emotionally. Uh, and there's a whole anatomical explanation to shaking that of course I cannot uh, repeat right now but uh, so standing up like you can put a timer on for 10 or 15 minutes put a really good song on whatever close your eyes stand with your feet like hip width apart a little bit wider soften your knees and just start shaking your entire body and do that and keep going do, do it for 10-15 minutes just shake 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 and when the time is up you just slow it down a little bit and then eventually you arrive back into stillness so it's sort of like a shavasana but in movement it's it feels so damn good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm shaking every damn day now. It's so, 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 so good. And I feel really happy and excited that I have all these new learnings and all these new types of new ways of moving. Like I, like we're in a hotel right now and uh, we screwed a bar up in the doorway so that I can hang every single day. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Just the fact that I'm doing that, like that's not something that I would normally um ever make an effort to do but it just it feels really good so that's that's where we're at and I want to thank you for listening and I would love to invite you to whatever pain you are sitting with don't be afraid to go there really that's that's been my big conclusion of this whole this whole yeah this whole past two months like don't be afraid to go there and you know if you're in chronic pain or if you have pain that consistently comes back 
the worst thing that can happen is that it comes back, right? And it kind of is coming back anyway. So exploring it, meaning going to that space and see if you can find ways to bring movement into that area of the body in a safe way, in a way that actually works. And maybe there is some layers of um, of emotional pain that you can peel away first. Maybe there is something you know, stories that you're telling yourself about this pain that you can start peeling off before you actually get to the core of uh, the physical pain, right? There's usually layers of other things around that. And we have a lot of, we have a lot more power than we think when it comes to healing ourselves and getting into the space where we feel really good all the time and also (laughs) feeling okay with not feeling good all the time when that comes our way. So finding comfort and discomfort too. (sighs) And, um, Let's see where this takes us. Holy, holy moly. Um, Next time I record the podcast, I'm going to definitely give an update on how I'm doing on my own. Because yeah, it's easy to do all this stuff when you have someone right there by your side, coaching you, guiding you. And now I I have a lot of homework to do every single day. And I'm dedicated, for sure. So I'm about to go hang. I have four minutes of hanging this morning. I'm going to go do that right now. And maybe you'll join me for some hanging or some shaking. And I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of them on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thank you to my sponsors, TransferWise, Parachute, Havenly, and Third Love. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.